Welcome, fellow curiosity seekers, P.T. Barnum wannabes, chronic Steve Jobs mourners, bored commuters, sub-genie, and all you various psychonauts, to the Thought Bubbles podcast, episode two. I'm Chris Carneal. I'm Gary Amarani. And although we are not financial advisors, today we are talking about cryptocurrencies, so let's get started. One quick note. We are now officially available on Apple Podcasts, so please subscribe, rate, and review us because it will boost our visibility to other potential listeners and the feedback you leave will influence how we evolve each episode. Gary, you have a note? I love it. Yes, I, I would just like to say that um, I cannot be responsible for anything that I say. All right, Gary, I will respect your request. <laughs> Gary, you know what? I want a time machine, but I can't have one. Ooh. You know why I can't have one? Because a time machine will never be invented because it hasn't already been invented. Good point. It's just, it's a catch-22. It's like the infinite continuum. It's like the infinite continuum. It, it, please explain. Well, we're in an infinite continuum. So if this is true, that means that everything exists already, has existed, yeah. and will exist. Yeah. All at the same time. You stated it a lot more eloquently than I tried to. Thank you for that. And that's why I'm glad you're here. Yeah, amen. Gaining clarity with the caveat that you don't really mean what you say. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Of all the truly atrocious things Hitler has done in history, oh, to me, the most annoying thing is his stripping us all of the ability to have fun with a time machine. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Please do. We can no longer do anything fun or selfish, like go back in time and buy Apple stock. We are morally <laughs> obligated to go back and kill him. <laughs> Again, Hitler ruins all of the fun. Everything. Oh, bastard. But honestly, if I had a time machine... I would go back to around 2009 and I would buy as many Bitcoin as I possibly could mm. because that's when it was an event. That was when it was invented. Yes, it was an event, but it was an invented it event. The, yeah, invented event. So, so we're going to be talking about cryptocurrencies uh, today. That will also include Bitcoin, blockchain, and all of this jargon. We're going to try to approach. We're not experts. We are not financial advisors, but not we are curious. And we've been yeah. in this wave of insanity that is cryptocurrencies. So we're going to talk about it today. But before we do that... Mm. We're going to go to our beloved segments, and our first oh, yeah. segment is the News Bubble, a short burst on current events. Again, you know, I haven't really been reading the news lately. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I keep but. forgetting about this. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe we should just delete this uh, segment from our no, program. I, no, I, you like, know, I like just making something up. <laughs> in in uh, the spirit of your caveat. Yeah, because okay. it's news, right? So, so yeah. for me, for me um, you know, my wife just got back from a business trip to uh, Asia. So for me, the big news is, wow, travel. How much have I actually traveled in my life? Yeah, all over America. Been everywhere. All kinds of places, all of the national forest type stuff. And then I've been to Jamaica. Right. And Spain. That's it. And that there's this whole world of people out there that travel for just business. They don't do anything else. Right. They're not going there to sightsee. She was in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is one of those places that's apparently, haven't been there, just stacked on top of each other. They have 
tons of smog, all kinds of crazy stuff. You got to wear a little mask. Um, and they're going there for business. So they don't really get to experience the town. I think, I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But for me, the news, my news is travel. I just haven't really done it. And I don't know if I ever will. Cause at 48 years old, I'm pretty set in what I'm doing. I mean, maybe something interesting will happen and I'll travel all over the world, but then I'll probably be doing it for work. Well, maybe we can make this your work. Maybe Ooh. we can go around and just rant around the, around the globe. That'd be awesome. I don't know how many enemies we would actually create in countries, but <laughs> it might be worth it. I just had a... Probably I, not I, too many. Well, that's true. We, I think I would like to think that we have a good vibe. Um, in you answering that question, mm. I realized that we have two distinct roles in this podcast. Okay. Mine is probably the schedule dictator. Okay. And yours is the nonlinear inspirator. Oh yeah, yeah, that, I'm good at that. Yeah, the, 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 so we're going to we're going to take advantage of this nonlinear I'm in. <laughs> nonlinear linguistic acrobatics that you do with answers um, throughout this podcast really. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to format almost like an excel sheet of etheria. What you just said into an answer. Okay. And that answer is what's going on in the news? You've realized that people are traveling. Mm. oftentimes not traveling to experience life, but mm. for the sheer practicality of going places for business. For business. Yeah. And you've also realized you have not been doing that, mm. but at the same time, you're not missing out on anything because you'd probably be traveling for business. For business, yeah. And also, you feel like you are at an age where you will not be traveling in the future. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, we're going to we're gonna have to work on that and change mm. that. Yeah. I declare that by 11-11, November 11th, we will explain what I think of as narcissistically the magic of that number because it's my birthday. But I buy that time. My birthday is magical too. <laughs> of course it is. Of course. Sure it is. 7-13-69. Oh, that's a good one. 7-13. Just saying. No, I, I, I seriously, I give you that. Yeah. yeah. No bull. Bull poop poop. <laughs> We just realized that perhaps we shouldn't be cussing on cussing this. So I think much, we yeah. said two swears in the last one, but I well, think Well, but that... today I already hit at least two. I haven't heard so, them. Oh, yeah. Well, they just flow right out of me. All right. Well, when but I, I review curve. this, I'll be, I'll be red in the face, I'm sure. So wait, your birthday, 713? 69. 713, 69. I would choose that birthday as the end mark to what I'm about to exclaim okay. right now, but I want to give us a little bit more yeah, time. Yeah. So I'm going to go 11-11 on this thing. Also, a fantastic number date. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're going to buy 1111. We're traveling to a place to do a live version of this podcast, Ooh. interviewing people that are somehow related to our segments. Mm. So that's what I declare. Dude. Okay, so my, my news bubble, this really bugged me. And it's one of the examples of why you don't go into the news because you see stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I know I, look, we talked about it last podcast, external stimuli, bringing the internal conflict and disgustingness. So you cut out that external stimuli. This is exactly why I don't do the news. But I did the news. Sinclair Broadcasting is a conglomerate that owns like 200 local news stations. Here in L.A.? No, across the country. Oh, oh, gotcha. Okay? Okay. If a deal with Tribune Media goes oh, through yeah. and they consolidate, they will have access to over 70% of wow. the eyeballs of local news of America. And most people, statistically, tend to get their news from local news. Yeah. 
what Sinclair Broadcasting did was they sent a mandate to all of the stations that they have for their anchors to read this kind of manifesto commentary on wow. what news should be. And someone brilliantly on YouTube compiled all of them together wow. and then put them into little boxes so that all of these news commentators are in unison speaking this manifesto. You you know, you don't see it. You you watch your local news guy say something like, oh, this is a weird segment, but okay. Right. But when you see it in the context of all of yeah. them, you realize that we are truly in some kind of Orwellian 1984 dystopian media future. We're in it now. And it is very troubling. And in the show notes, I will put a link to one version of this. But that's one news bubble thing that's just driving me nuts. It makes me want to travel out of the country to go full circle to your topic. Um, there was a movie. I think it was a movie. It might have been a TV show, but I think it was a movie. Um, and I believe that it was produced by, um, by uh, the Scott brothers before Tony Scott passed away. Okay. Um, and it was this movie about these sort of alien creatures that take over the parliament in the UK. Oh. And they, they look, they just, they kind of get fat. They look like humans because they take over the body or whatever, and they kind of get fat, and they eat a bunch of junk food and shit, and they look horrible, and they get fatter and fatter, and they smoke cigarettes. But what's in, what? why I bring this up is there was also a TV show recently, ran for one season, like the year leading up to the election, which was mind-blowing if you go watch this. And, of course, I'm going to forget it. Forget the name of it. You don't remember the name of this movie? Either one, yeah. The okay. movie or the TV show. So... I need to look these up, and we'll, we'll put, put them in the, them show in the notes. notes. Yeah. So it's a Tony Scott or Scott Brothers project. I believe so. It is not They Live. It right? is not They Live. It's a okay. comedy. It's a, it's a, sat, a satirical comedy. And these are related. They're both similar subject matter. Because um, this the television show that broadcast here in the U.S. This, uh, two years ago, I guess now, was very similar. My point in bringing both of these up and not knowing either one of them, this topic of the Sinclair, it does feel... Watching these two shows, this movie that I watched years ago and the TV show, it does feel like this type of thing, alien, and I'm not saying real aliens, but sure. an alien experience is sort of taking over. Mm -hmm. Being um, an American and being very interested in politics and following our Congress, I've been watching our Congress turn into a very strange entity yeah. that just seems to operate on its own rather than giving a care about anybody else. Yeah, it really does transcend politics in a way. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. there's left, right, red, blue, uh, Democrat, Republican. Right. But some of the motivations and the, the, the way things are being done mm. does seem truly alien. Alien, yeah. I'll give you an example of something that I don't quite understand. And it is an, it's another news story, but it, it, it ties into what I think you're suggesting, the EPA. Mm -hmm. stated that they were going to uh, reduce the requirements for emissions on cars oh, yeah. and reduce the efficiencies necessary on cars. Now, I don't understand truly who benefits from that. It's like the car companies are ostensibly going to want to produce efficient cars because the consumer will want that. So it's not like the consumer is going to be benefiting. And if they are already meeting these certain guidelines in their manufacturer, those machines are set up to manufacture a certain way already. I just don't get who benefits that. What, right. what lobbyist is going to even benefit? What company it's benefits from that? That's totally alien. It seems to transcend party lines. It mm -hmm. even seems to transcend capitalism. I don't understand yeah. it. It transcends, it definitely, for sure, transcends smartness, intelligence. Sanity. That's the word, sanity. 
yeah, we don't need to dwell anymore on the news because we'll just go crazy. <laughs> we'll do it for three hours. So Maybe I, next time we'll make up our own news. Well, let's make up a new story right now. Did okay. you hear that the turtles, once they pass away mm-hmm. and they leave a shell behind, that is a cry for help from Mother Nature? If you look in a shell, it there's a strange hieroglyphic in there that mm. says, help me. Help me. Mm. Yeah. It's it. true. It's true. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> so true. Would you like a chance to make up some BS? Let's <laughs> or see. Should we go to the next segment? Uh, no, I'll wait till the next time. <laughs> okay. You can you can make up anything for any of these segments, oh. so yeah, the, the opportunity is not lost. Okay. Our next segment is, it's a new one. It's uh, mm. the word bubble. Mm. Oh. A book or quote that inflates your brain. My nights were sour, spent with Schopenhauer. You know, for me, it was, uh, we talked about this, I guess, or I mentioned it a little bit a couple of days ago, all in this one sort of five minute period of time in front of my computer the other night, I started to play this um, album on, on Apple Music that mm-hmm. I had sort of tagged a while ago. And it was called Psychonaut Work or Psychonaut Work uh, by Psychonaut. And I was like, that name, I don't know, that word just really, there's something about that word. So I look it up. And it's basically um, people who look to change their, they use things to change their consciousness. Um, they can use drugs, but mostly, most of the people who actually do this use meditation or deprivation of some sort or another. Usually they do it in a healthy way. And, uh, but then I had remembered there was a book that I have, and the book is actually right next to you there. Buddy. All right, I'll pull it out. Here yeah. we go. It's got an awesome cover. Yeah. Peter Carroll. Yeah, Peter Liber Carroll. Liber Null. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly. Liber Null and Psychonaut. Yeah. Um, I got to say uh, two things before you yeah. continue. One is I used the term Psychonaut because you brought it to my attention in yeah. the intro to this podcast. Yeah. Secondarily, there was an Xbox game called Psychonaut about 15 years ago that I saw, and I got it just for that name, and I started playing around with it i'm like i don't have patience for this the name is, seems to be cooler than the actual thing but yeah. anyway so there's a, there's actually a, a cartoon <laughs> i looked up when i looked up psychonaut uh these little creatures came up and i was like what was that turns out there's like a, a animated tv show or something called really? psychonauts really um so it's it's a term that's out there and it's used a bit but it was just really for me it was a uh it was a uh, it was a, almost word a quote bubble. it was a yeah. oh it, it was, was a, a word qu- bubble yeah it was a word or quote bubble cuz when i read the word stuck out but then when i read the definition i was like <gasps> and i did experience the kind of bubble feeling i i guess is the way to put it i i like the idea of a term being inspirational just one word I have to acknowledge that there is a dog barking, so yeah, we have nice. a th- we have a guest, and that's fine. We're going to ignore. We are animal rights activists, yeah. but we are not going to let this dog talk in this podcast, and they are not going to yeah. get the mic. So he, you'll he hear him. He's not very nice either. He's he's pretty he's pretty um, barky. I guess is the way to put yeah. it. He just rah, 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 rah. there's no like, hey, how you doing, bark? I, I can tell that he has no sense of etiquette because yeah. he's. We're clearly trying to have a conversation. I know. Yeah, it's not cool. But yeah. I wanted to acknowledge for the listeners that we, we know that, but we're not so high-tech that we can actually get rid of that. <laughs> uh, I like Psychonaut. I like the idea that a, a word can be a uh, a quote. Wait, let's see what the dog has to say. We'll give him one chance. Oh, he's talking, non- <laughs> he's talking nonsense. I'm sorry, he's talking nonsense. Um, he's on repeat. I think that my quote... Uh, that uh, seems to inflate my brain. Hopefully, will apply to this dog that's that has been barking, 
It's a Brian Eno quote. I, I made a little graphic and I threw it on our Instagram thing. He created a deck of cards to be used in the studio. And this deck of cards mm. was called Oblique Strategies. So if you ever came upon... <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. That's I could beautiful. just stop with that. I should stop with that. <laughs> oh, but no, I'm intrigued. Continue. So if you ever run into a creative problem, it's like a tarot deck in a way. Right. These abstract phrases are on each card. So you randomly pick a card oh, and it so applies. Awesome. But there is one quote from there that I heard, well, I don't know, 30 years ago, and it still sticks to me with me today. It is, honor your mistake as a hidden intention. Ooh. Yeah, right? A hidden intention. See, you know, yes. Hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. <laughs> I might have something to say about that. <laughs> so go for it. Because that's all I've got to say is yeah. that it exists, and I like it. Yeah, and I like it too. And, and, you know, I do do this if I make a mistake, if I do something... Um, that's not in the direction I want to be doing things. I have this process. It's not, it didn't used to always be conscious. It's a little bit more conscious now than it used to be, but I will in a way kind of tuck that in the back and be like, okay, I'm doing it this way and it's not working out, but I'm doing it this way for a reason. I don't know what that reason is. This is playing into this guy's thing, right? Oh yeah. So if I follow it, I end up somewhere and where I end up is usually where I need to be. Yeah. Even though I don't want to hear it sometimes. Yeah. For example, when I have a, an argument with a friend or with my wife, what is very interesting to me is that when I actually listen, because mm-hmm. I'm actually listening when it's going on, right. but you know, there's all these stupid things that come up and get in the way mm-hmm. of making sense of yourself. And then it, you know, things settle a minute and then I'm like, wait, this needed to happen. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say because I don't like arguing. I don't like right. you know all of this. You ego, just want clarity. Ego crap. Yeah, yeah, I just want clarity. But being a human, we are, and I know that this world tries to tell you that we are not supposed to have emotions. They are wrong. Mm. <laughs> we are emotional beings. This, you're making me angry. <laughs> By the way, you said something. I want to make sure yeah. that you don't forget it because you said it not accidentally, but I don't yeah. think you realize that you said it. You said where I end up is where I need to be. Yes. I think that should be uh, an oblique strategy. Exactly. It, it fits, and it's true. It's If you just look, at least for me, I'm pretty sure it works for everybody because I feel like I, I, I've been reading the Undoing Yourself. Oh, oh, good. Mentioned that, yeah. I'm only in the forward because the forward's so meaty mm-hmm. and deep. And also, I just read Robert Anton Wilson was making note that humans that the that the idea of free will is actually a myth. We have as much free will as a plant. That was my favorite line. Being a gardener, um, yes, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. He also said that the interesting thing is, is between these groups of people who are aware of this versus the rest of the world. The ones who are aware of this non-free will almost seems, seem as if they have more free will than the rest of us. Mm, yeah, I think I can see where you, one could adopt more of a Zen flow if you yield your attempts to influence how things unfold. I, that does make sense. When we did our first podcast, I was trying to make the distinction between you and I And I use these terms like I came from the East Coast, you came from the West Coast. Mm. It seems like I'm an angry punk and you are more of a peaceful hippie using, you know, these general terms. I can see where you are more apt to follow your mistake as a hidden intention. And Mm. to me, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to do that. I got to learn how to do that. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I do have to learn how to do that. I'm going to give a real world example of okay. where this quote operated in real time, and I didn't realize it. And I think this is important mm. enough for me to, to share this anecdote because it, it, it's a lesson. 
when I when I share this anecdote, it's going to make m- me sound like a derelict. And we were <laughs> we were talking on the last podcast about um, uh, the ways to expand one's mind, and we went mm. off on some uh, tangents about using substances to do that. And it's easily to it's easy to confuse that with, uh, as we mentioned, pure escapism. Some things actually do have. A, a way and a meaning and a, a method to their madness. Yes. This, however, has no method to its madness. Mm. This was me being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> About 1997, I went to go see a band called Yola Tango all by myself mm. in Providence, Rhode Island. Without intending to do this, I ended up over the course of that evening drinking probably about seven vodkas. Wow. Which led me, as a lightweight, to walk out of the club at the end of the show to my car. Not a good idea. Terrible. See, this is what Mm. I mean. The caveat Mm. is, I was an idiot. Mm. This is an idiot move. Mm. I was wise enough, though, to realize that in my stumbling to the car, Mm. that I probably couldn't drive like that. So I stopped via foot at Mm. a nearby coffee shop and got Mm. a very large coffee. And I thought, I'm going to sit in my car and suck this thing down and try. I know it's a myth that this sobers you up, Mm. but in my pea brain at the time, I Mm. thought this was a method that would work. Understandable. Got into the car, set the coffee on what I thought was my dashboard so that I could get my keys in. There wasn't a dashboard there. It just sort of (laughs) fell in my lap and all over the car. So my entire car was coated in the sugary sweet 25-ounce coffee. This, to me, seemed like such a mistake. It seemed like such a pain in my ass. But I was like, I'm driving with a wet crotch and my car coated in coffee. I don't care. I started the ignition and I started to drive. Mm. So I didn't have any of the coffee in my system. Mm. I had it outside of my system and all over my car. I come to a stoplight. Uh Uh-oh. But the stoplight wasn't registering right away, so I slammed my brakes on at the very last minute, and on the other side of the road was a cop. (laughs) This is true. This is a true story. The cop pulls me over. You know, once the light turned green, pulled me over. He wasn't very kind about my, my activities. Give me your license. And I was terrified. And this cop is pissed at me for some reason. Mm-hmm. I show him the license. And I said, ah, ah, I wasn't sure if I could take a ride on red. And I was just trying to make up stuff. And I was like, my God, he could probably smell the alcohol coming mm. from my breath during all of this. Vodka. But he handed me the license with a warning and let me go. Oh. Why? Because all he could smell was coffee. <laughs> Good point. So this is a great example of like, I could have been like, why why has life happened like this? I'm just soaked in coffee. That coffee smell saved my butt. Yeah. That is a mistake as a hidden intention. Yeah. For sure. So I'm uh, sorry for the long-winded sure. an- no, no. analogy. You're no, it's not an analogy. You're talking to long-winder over oh, here. Oh, the long-winder. So. <laughs> the non-linear long-winder inspirator. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> inspirator like an, a respirator. Yeah. So yeah, there's wind. <gasps> oh, see, we're just squeezed. <laughs> All right, we have uh, spent enough time on uh, on the word bubble, uh, mm-hmm. Psychonaut and Brian Eno. Uh, so it's time for our next segment, which is something that bursts your bubble, a pet peeve of some sort, sir. Oh, God, there's so many. Oh, but you just got to pick one (laughs) because we've got probably a few hundred episodes to do. That's right. That's true. It's very true. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Being a bicyclist. Okay. One of my uh, pet peeves is that people don't see people on... People driving cars do not see people on bicycles. Why Mm. the hell not? Mm. Because they're not fucking looking. 
Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for no. This my... is about you got to be yourself. This is like you said earlier. Emotions are real. It's true. If you start suppressing them while you talk now, this what what's the point? What kind of an example is that for Good our point. audience? Good point. So go ahead. It really pisses me off because think about this. You're in a car. You're driving a car. It's a car. It's made out of metal, thick plastic composites. All all these these fun things. It has airbags in it, mm-hmm. seat belts. I'm on a bicycle. It has none of that. Yeah. It has a bar that goes between my legs. I have a helmet on. It's made of metal and theoretically true. tires are airbags. True, true. So I guess you could you could theoretically pretend somehow <laughs> <laughs> that I'm in a car, but I'm not. I'm on a bicycle. And it's one of those times when you know the right thing to do is not to be angry mm-hmm. at the person driving the car because you want to be a nice person. Yeah. But you know, fuck that. I yeah. can't deal with it. I used to carry little pebbles with me. Oh, that's I, just I, enough, isn't it? Yeah, I learned I learned it from another cyclist. Carry pebbles. You throw pebbles at the cars. They don't know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. They're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. It doesn't really do anything, but no. it makes you feel better. And you when know? you hear a pebble and you're inside a car, it's 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 a this annoying, sharp little it's yeah. just enough to really Really, fuck was that? Yeah, it's it's enough to really work. Yeah, I like the yeah. idea. Actually, I might just start going out and throwing bubbles of cars, <laughs> just for the fun of the sound. Plus, one other thing. Um, yeah. Now that we're in the 21st century, uh, most major cities and a lot of small cities around the United States have these ginormous bicycle lanes mm-hmm. with huge, very bright, either white or green or yellow lines all over the place. Yeah, they're on the right side of the of the. So where you drive? I drive a car, right? Every now and again, and you know, I notice these things, and I notice that there are bicycles in these lanes. Mm-hmm. How come the other people don't? Gary, really I notice them. I use them as right-hand <laughs> passing lanes. They're brilliant. I wish every city would do it. <laughs> so you're getting a pebble, buddy. <laughs> I deserve it. Uh, my pet peeve is uh, a linguistic tendency. I, I oh. think I'm using that word right, linguistic tendency. I could just say verbal or I could say articulation or language usage. It's this. Sounds right to me. Okay, we all say awesome now. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally. Oh, man, this movie's awesome. Totally. Totally awesome. Totally, man. We totally use totally and awesome. Absolutely. I've noticed something that everyone's using, and I have not used it yet to my knowledge because I've become conscious of it right away, and it is the use of the word super. As a modifier for everything. Super. Oh, my God. That food was super delicious. That movie was super good. Uh, Oh, my God. No, I'm super stoked to go do this. Everything is effing super. (laughs) And it's, it's a pet peeve. And this is how deeply it has infected society. I was listening to an NPR... Terry Gross interview, and Terry Gross said, I wonder if you're super excited to do this role or whatever. I couldn't believe that I heard her saying that. So now it's officially like an alien takeover. If if every scale and scope of broadcasting and society and coffee shop dwellers, and it's in every part of our conversation, it drives me nuts. You know, I have something to say about that. I have a little, I think this might be a caveat. Real quick. Oh yeah, do it. Um, if you guys heard um, some noise in the background, I was just refilling my water. So I think it was super environmental. <laughs> no offense you know, to anyone other as, than yeah, super users. Right super as, users. As yes. far as the super thing goes, um, I remember when I was a kid in California, hmm. um, there was this fun word that came out. It was radical. Oh right. Yeah, everybody mm-hmm. started using the word, the word radical. But the, isn't it funny how that died? 
organically and slowly, but awesome stayed. But wait, radical died. Yeah. But rad came back. Oh, that's super rad. I've heard people. I have. I've heard people say super rad. I swear to God. They just shortened it and reused it. I guess it's recycling. Maybe you said that they shortened it and reused it. I just figured something out about super. Mm. It was, and its origins were super duper. And now like they, cut it, they, they cut the duper out because it's not cool. Yeah. They yeah. cut the damn super. We they cut just the start duper saying out. duper. We're going duper, to. Bro. Oh, you've just created a trend and we're going to institute it now. We're going to make it go viral. <laughs> we're going to, we are going to duper the hell out of duper. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm serious, man. That's duper rad, man. That, duper duper. Rad. duper. <laughs> duper okay. Super. So um, this, this has been a very productive burst of the bubble bugging you pet peeve episode mm. because we've taken a complaint and we have transmuted, mm. perhaps even transmogrified, Ooh. maybe even transubstantiated Whoa. super duper from super to duper. This it. has been successful. Okay. It. We're going to go on to our next segment, the love bubble, something that makes us feel like we are floating. So what's your love bubble, man? Something right now that you actually really like. I actually have two things. You can, oh, you can do that. It, my answer always when I hear the word love is my wife. Always. Oh, I, it, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. It just it's every time we go to, yeah. to Cafe Gratitude mm-hmm. and they go, what are you grateful for? We both, every time, we're always grateful for each other. Every time. Every and time. at Cafe Gratitude, for those that live outside oh, of Los yes. Angeles, so the, the, it's a place where they name their dishes things like, I am understanding, mm. I am peaceful. Do you yeah. say, like, I want my wife on a plate? Like, <laughs> like how does it translate when you're there? Is so it like, I actually, am love? They actually ask you, um, they ask you, they come up to the table and they say, or they don't ask you, they say, well, I guess they do ask you, but it, and then they walk away. What are you grateful for? You know, and they walk away. They don't even wait for the response. They don't give a shit. It's for you you to have a conversation with your loved one. Oh, I see. Right, right. But the the funny thing about that cafe gratitude also is this: like, I am um, grateful, or I am whatever. Mm -hmm. When they when you say, "I'll have the um, the burger thingy here," and they'll go, Mm -hmm. "Oh, I am magical," and I'm like, "Okay," and then they come and they bring it and they go, "You are magical." Oh, dude. Well, thank you. (laughs) Look, I. Oh my God! I'm gonna become an advocate of the devil. <laughs> this is the thing, man. This is the East Coast versus West Coast yeah, thing. I hear this you. is a thing that is so classically just just ignites the punk in me, <laughs> where I'm just like, "Fuck you, hippies." I mean, we're seriously. I get it, and I. It's this is the uh. this is the brilliant camouflage of what I generically call hippies. The thing about it is it is all sweetness and light in a good way. It's all about, it's, it's about promoting goodwill and, and peace and higher ideals and love. Mm. It really is. So if someone like me comes around and says like, I'll have a plate of go fuck yourself at, (laughs) at cafe gratitude. I'm the asshole. There's actually a place. uh, There was a place over in uh, Hollywood, West Hollywood. When I lived over there, uh, where you could, it was like a, a uh, cafeteria burger joint kind of place, and mm-hmm. the waiters there it was East Coast thing. Okay. The waiters there would do that to you. Really? Yeah, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> they, they would totally be assholes to you. But that they're out the of whole... business now, yeah. of course. No, no, I think 
They still might be going. We're going to find that out and yeah. then report back because if that place exists, we're going to go there. Okay. And then we're going to report back and give a restaurant review. We're going to start a restaurant review section. I have, you know, you bring up the hippie thing. I got a couple things to say. And I'm not, I'm not accusing you of being no, no, a hippie, no, by no, the I'm, way. I, well, no, I'm not okay, a hippie. Okay. I just want to clear the air for everybody who's actually physically seen me. I do yeah. look like what people consider a hippie. Right. I have long hair. I wear crazy things and... We're gonna put. Web- I smell like a hippie too. I We're gonna to put pictures up on the website. That's oh, the yeah. next thing I gotta yeah. do. Go ahead. Sorry. So, so it's 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 understandable. I have a beard like fuck you, like uh, was it Grizzly Adams. Full my on, my so. mom who uh, saw you at our wedding said uh, called you. Um, oh oh yeah. So, yeah. Oh I, I. It was something like Jesus and sunglasses. Yeah. 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 Jesus with sunglasses. And she loves Jesus, yeah. dude. Jesus. So that's the other thing. I do get confused. I get confused with being a hippie and Jesus, which yeah. is odd which is to me fine. Jesus is well. He wouldn't be the color that I am. No. It wouldn't have been. You're the Norman Rockwell Jesus. Aw, <laughs> dude. In a tie-dye. I would like to say that hippies don't exist. I don't okay. even, I'm don't. i not even sure that they actually really ever did exist other than for a few summers when um, the kids in college were being, who didn't have to pay for college back then because their parents were paying for it. They, you know, took drugs, had a good time, listened to some amazing music that was happening. And then when school ended... Their parents were like, hey, guys, um, we're not paying for your life. you got to get out there and do something. So what happened to all the hippies? They turned into yippies or yuppies? They became capitalists. Oh, right, right, yes. right. Well, so did the punks, so, man. I mean, yeah, let's true, face it. True. Everybody did. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure we'll become capitalists someday. Well, I'm an anti-capitalist, so I don't know if I can actually become a capitalist. Right. Although I could be a spy in the House of Love, in a way. Oh, there's that word uh, love. Oh, love. Like, well, uh, my, I don't have any excuse. I, I think I was slowly brainwashed, unbeknownst to me, to act mm. to, to, to into capitalism. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not a capitalist. I really am, on paper... A socialist. And what I mean mm, by that yeah. is I do think that a role of government in society is to provide a safety net for those that cannot provide for themselves. I'm Agreed. talking about the... I understand what you're talking about, and I think when it comes down to it, I might be anti-capitalist as well. And as soon as we start yeah, selling T-shirts you, yeah. on the website, I'm, everyone's going to kill me yeah. <laughs> for saying that. Uh, but There was that quote, though, and I shared this with you, and I wish I could remember where it came from. Capitalism is where... Man exploits man, and socialism is the opposite. <laughs> I good. love that quote, and I That's wish I could fantastic. attribute it to someone who, who invented it. Anyway, so That's go good. ahead. Well, I, the other thing I, I wanted to say on the topic of the, the hippie thing was that um, – that what you were talking about, which was the um, you know the labeling of I am magical. It's a burger. Oh, you're right. right? I right. am magical, and they come and they say, you are magical. Okay. There's this interesting phenomenon. People do this. They have businesses around this. They they etch or they draw or they paint or they something, a word on a bottle, like a glass bottle, like okay. the word love. Right. They put it on the word love. And then they sell this bottle as this device that you it is charged with love. Sure. Because it has a word on it. And then you put your water in it and you're drinking love. Uh, although that does sound like hippie foo-foo. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you go and you look at uh, the history of, let's say, um, religion, you will find out that uh, religion comes from what was called, uh, n- not Enochian, but I guess it was Enochian magic. Um, magic with a K back in the early uh, okay. e- ancient Egypt. Um, <clears throat> you will find that it's linked. And the reason that they changed it from magic to religion was because the governors that took over did not want that spiritual element. They wanted things to be more intellectual. They wanted things to be, they had their slaves and they had their, um, the the high class, the slaves, and that was it. There was no religion involved. Right. Interestingly enough, when you follow that history, 
you find things like these sigils, you find things like spells. Uh, spells are still being used today. Um, and what are these things all have in common? Words. And they take these words and they put these words on something, around something, or sometimes they just think the word out into the world. And there's an entire group of people that actually think or believe that this works and it does for them to an extent. Maybe it completely works. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm open. I'm very open. Well, the first time I really focused on trying to understand what sigils were mm. and the power of words uh, was a discussion with my wife and then also when you brought it up. And um, I love, I have to state it this way, the poetry of that. For instance, mm. reducing this down to complete moron terms, which is at the level where I am with sigils, if you put a word and you write it down, it almost inspires the thought and kind of manifests your reality in the, in the context of that word. That way the word has power. Maybe you even said this, but the notion that you spell a word is, it's a spell, like yeah. a magical spell. So I, I appreciate the poetry in that. Mm. I think that when it comes down to, uh, we referred to this last episode, the book The Secret, or what was the what was the, the that's the one that gets me the yeah book. but what's that oh. one that you said was the secret really stole oh, from oh uh, Shaki Shaki Gowan's um, creative visualization yeah this this notion of manifesting based on thought uh, we're gonna have to talk about it eventually we've been oh, for sure but I can see where you you have a bottle you inscribe love on it and it somehow assigns a very positive energy to the, whatever is contained in that bottle. That's the way I think about it. Right. Yeah. I would like to say one more thing Go for on it. the topic. Sure. Uh, it might be two, but it's this. Pick a book. Finnegan's Wake is an example. Any book. Oh, that's that a good is, one because is, it's so cryptic. Go ahead. Okay, so any book that, has be, that went from a guy they kind of knew was a decent writer to the most amazing writer ever. Mm -hmm. Go and read that book and look at the words. Look how the words lead up to each other. That's the magic. In my opinion, mm -hmm. so it's it's regardless of whether you're conscious or not, words are powerful. This is the other thing: by focusing one's attention on it, it ma makes you aware, makes you more potent or powerful. Okay. Except for one area, this is a Garyism here. Okay. One area, capitalism does not work. So if you want to manifest a bunch of money, not going to happen. Oh, wait a minute. I got to play devil's advocate here because I can't think of anything more powerful to the to the entire human civilization seriously <laughs> than, than commercial. Oh, yeah. so think of a commercial yeah. jingle. Now, I might be confusing a lot of different metaphors and the thoughts that you're talking about, but seriously, not dude, think about yes. how powerful commercials are or even commercial Songs jingles, too, yeah. you know? Yeah. So For sure. So but I'm talking about the guy sitting at home like, shit, I got no money. Oh, what's this sigil spell thing? All right, I'm going to do, I'm going to... Oh, I see. Yeah. It the, doesn't work. I understand what you're saying. You're saying using this as a deliberate tool to somehow enrich yourself with wealth with is, is, is a little bit... Yeah, you can enrich yourself with the skill that will bring wealth. Sure. Uh, using this as a, as a method to train your mind to look at reality a different way. That's exactly. what you mean. Okay, yeah. I got you. Exactly. All right, we're going to move to our next segment, which is... Um, Movie or music, and how it resonates with you. What's what's something that's your jam? Not a book. We've already done language. It's music. Uh, it's a, ge a general, uh, uh, generalized experience with music. You know, I've been on this kick for almost a year now, maybe a little over a year on 
listening to EDM. A lot of EDM, but all kinds of music. Um, but mostly sort of the EDM. Right now, I'm in this odd, peculiar place where I am listening to sort of this this trancey kind of music. You mm-hmm. know, that's it's also interestingly enough, it's all consciousness. Like all the names of the, all the names of the songs are about consciousness. All the lyrics are about consciousness, and then it's just yeah. weird. You know, it's almost like you're in a hallucination that you just can't stop. So you're listening to, uh, let's say, the psychonautic ballad, and they're, then you go to them, the yeah. Cafe Gratitude, and you're like, I want the, I want the, I am I'll awesome. Have the magical psychonaut, please. Yes. Uh, that's a burger, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on the flip side, I'm also listening to the funk. Mm-hmm. So I'm listening to this, not the original funk, George Clinton, thank you very much, um, but uh, this sort of electronic version of funk, which I find actually really well done um in the whole genre of edm i think that's really the the nugget of gold that people are missing out on if they're not listening to it um, give me an artist um right a grizz is one um oh oh my favorite one big gigantic it's oh. one of the greatest names ever for a band <laughs> i remember when you can told you get me about bigger that than that <laughs> big gigantic. can't get bigger than that that's and then great. uh one of my other favorites is the floozies it's a like fantastic name, but they're all funk. There's elements of hip hop in there. There's definitely uh, George George Clinton P funk stuff. Um, but what's interesting to me, what's happening to me is I'm listening to them, um, not not together, not interchangeably, but at specific times of the day, I'll listen to one style or the other. But they do not mix. If I mm. mix one, I, it doesn't work right. It's very strange. I have to insist okay. that the next time. You're going to have to pick a movie. Okay. I'll tell you why. Because in episode one, which was our last episode, mm. you picked a funky jam. I did. And you're funky jamming out. And yeah. I don't appreciate this That's level true. of you enjoying yourself. You've got... <laughs> you got... I can't help the funk, man. <laughs> oh, we can all learn from you. All right. I, I appreciate it. Well, mine's actually music this time, too. Oh, excellent. Very specifically, I think what's called The Crooners. Ooh, um, big fan. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's impossible not to enjoy this music. My grandfather really loved this group called The Ink Spots. And many people may know it from their hit, which is used over and over, unfortunately, in commercial radio. And it's the, uh, I'll try to do a rendition of it. It's like, I don't want to set the world on fire. Uh, It's probably used in Coke commercials now, Mm -hmm. which is disappointing. But those guys, The Ink Spots and the Mills Brothers, who are kind of a very parallel, they may even be the same group for all I know. And I, do you remember that show Night Court? Yes, I do. Okay. This is a really cheesy way to discover something, but the judge in that show mm-hmm. would always refer to this guy named Mel Torme. Oh, I love Mel Torme. Mel Torme. My <sighs> gra- I asked my grandfather Big fan. about Mel Torme, and he said, oh, do you mean the Velvet Fog? Yeah. What a great there name. There it is. I mean, big, gigantic, great, floozies, great, Velvet Fog, but come yeah, on. To have your voice named after Velvet, oh, oh dude. dude. Serious, I get chills. Yeah, get chills. I, Just I think about you. it. Ooh. we got to start doing video podcasts so people can see this stuff. <laughs> so uh, my, my jam right now is, the, is those classic crooners. Nice, nice. Uh, which is really our next segue to... Main topic, the big bubble, the main discussion topic, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Uh, we are in a weird time right now. Very. 
Lots of people have probably heard this word cryptocurrency. They've probably heard Bitcoin. Mm. There's a more obscure term called blockchain. Mm. Gary, I'm going to give you what I surmised about it okay. in this process over the last, say, four or five months where I got obsessed with it. Mm. And once again, we're not financial advisors. I don't really know what I'm talking about with this. I know certain things, but often I just feel like I'm kind of like a caveman describing a space shuttle with this stuff. Mm. So... I will tell you that one of the reasons that I wanted to have a time machine is so that if I could go back to June 2010, this is a fact, one Bitcoin was seven cents. Okay? Unbelievable. Now, around Christmas time, 2017, seven years later, one Bitcoin approached $20,000. So if you could have bought, if you bought one Bitcoin at seven cents in 2010, can you imagine the wealth that you would have accumulated? It'd be pretty crazy. Now, this is the sort of thing, that the connection and meme that has driven cryptocurrency mm -hmm. over the last year to these wild, crazy speculative uh, value spaces. Here's what I know about all of it because I got completely obsessed with it. In fact, I have no business doing this, but uh, around 11.11, as a birthday thing, uh, I I want everyone to know Gary just yawned. Yeah, I that's did. that's how we, yeah, that's how meaningful this is to him. <laughs> You're all oh, gonna be yawning. It's just because my brain is starting to pass out. Yeah, we, you know we're gonna do we're gonna do this pretty down and dirty because quite frankly I don't have 20 minutes of knowledge on this stuff. But I'm gonna tell oh, you this: I have hours of knowledge. No. I have no doubt. And I, when I shut up, you can take over until we're done. And I'm serious, man. Okay, here's here's the deal: Bitcoin was, or I should say, was originated by a person. We're not sure if it's a person, an entity, mm. a woman. We don't know. But the entity's name is Satoshi Nakamoto. Such a great name. Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, around the time of 2008 when there was the housing crisis, and I don't know if this is coincidental or if this is uh, intentional, but he wrote what is referred to as a white paper, which is basically oh. a technical analysis mm -hmm. of what something could be. That's what I understand. Well, this white paper outlined what would become a digital currency, and it theorized in a real way how, much like file sharing like Napster and all these other things, where a peer-to-peer -peer network could be used to create a digital ledger of transactions, mm -hmm. and this digital ledger is called a blockchain, and you could build a currency using this blockchain technology. And you won't need a third party because it's peer-to-peer -peer network, it's all these different computers, now they're mm -hmm. called miners. All of these different uh, computers all on this network are essentially acknowledging that transactions are taking place, they're encrypting the transactions and placing them on this blockchain. Mm. That's why so many people are are becoming miners. You get a reward of X number of bitcoins mm -hmm. if your if your computer is one to solve this block in the blockchain. So it's this decentralized network, and what that means is it's uh, there's no bank that you go through. You're responsible for your own holdings. Mm -hmm. You have digital wallets that are on your phone, or you're supposed to take them offline into a USB drive. But you bear the responsibility of of having uh, protective custody Wild of this West. currency. It is the Wild West. It mm -hmm. truly is. And you can, and this is how people are trading and buying all this different cryptocurrency. Crypto Bitcoin, by the way, is just one cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. There's uh, there's Tron and there's Ethereum. Now, yeah, yeah there, there are literally hundreds right now. Yeah. I, I, 
might even be a thousand by now. I, I have no doubt. I, I did read a. Uh, I still have my subscription to the Wall Street Journal, um, but I have I stopped the paper for a little while, and I'm getting. But I went online and I passed by the page somehow, and I did. I do remember reading something about how um, there are so many of them that now uh, one of them. They, they didn't say which one. One of them was a complete and utter uh, fabrication, and it was worth. It became worth a ridiculous amount of money with n- no intention behind it of actually being a real company. Yeah, I believe that is Dogecoin, which started off as a meme. I don't I'm not completely clear on it, but it, yeah, it was basically a joke mm-hmm. currency that is you know now got several uh, maybe I don't know a billion dollars in. Mm-hmm. And market well, cap. I'll on speak it. more on that, that that interesting phenomenon after you're finished. Sure. So uh, just to get everyone on the same page, uh, blockchain technology is uh, the way I understand it, kind of the code that the peer-to-peer networks uses to encrypt these transactions on this digital ledger. Uh, Bitcoin is an example of something that's been built on top of this mm-hmm. le- digital ledger. It is known as a cryptocurrency. There are all these different digital currencies. The intention behind these things is incredibly noble. It is to nullify the existence of banks, to transform how our society's economies work, which I love. It's the ultimate punk rock mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. monetary system. Uh, around 11-11, around my birthday, I bought $1,000 worth of Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy portions yeah. of it. And I'll tell you why I did that. There was a lot of buzz about this digital currency. I had been hearing about Bitcoin for years. I remember there was there was this website called Silk Road where you could buy ecstasy and AK-47s and you had to buy the stuff essentially anonymously using Bitcoin. And I never thought about even getting involved in that to buy drugs or any of that stuff. It just seemed like, okay, well, I could buy some Bitcoin and then do transactions. Who cares? Never in a million years did I imagine that this would be an asset that would slowly accumulate right. wealth. That in seven years, one Bitcoin could go from seven cents to twenty thousand dollars is completely crazy. As of this recording right now, we're t- we're in the first part of April. It did take a dump from twenty thousand. Right now, it's about six or seven thousand dollars of Bitcoin. But if you bought one in twenty ten, you're still a multimillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why did I buy it? There's a guy named John McAfee, and he created. Oh, oh an antivirus software or something, yeah. but he's a, one it's of these a great wired article about him. He's he's a complete nutcase, but he's at the level of you know all of these Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. Mm-hmm. You know he he made his bajillions mm-hmm. and he's out. Mm-hmm. But he tweeted last year that Bitcoin by the end of 2020, a single Bitcoin would be worth $500,000. And if it wasn't, he would, quote, eat his own dick on TV. Now, that is quite a claim. Oh, that's also quite an image. Ugh. Oh, it's a horrible image, but it's effective Ugh. enough for me to go, this guy, it, that spoke to me. You mm. could give me all the technical jargon in the world, but if you tell me that you believe in so something so much, you will eat your own penis. I'm like, okay, I'm there, and I'm yeah. going to hold you to it. Yeah. But this I don't guy, want to have any part of any of that. <laughs> well, I basically wagered a $1,000 bet that he was right. Mm. So I hope he doesn't eat yeah, his it's dick. It's not too bad. Yeah. No, it's not. And, but, you know, it's still... It's, it's, it's money. It's money, and I want it to... Yeah. I want it to, to increase in value. So a couple things I want to make very clear about mm. this stuff. Many people are hearing about you know, 
these different different cryptocurrencies, there are some that are like around a penny now, and they think, oh, we're going to repeat this pattern. I'll buy $50 worth, and I'll become a multimillionaire in five right, years right. or whatever. I don't have an opinion on this stuff anymore. Mm. I believe the hype to some extent. I believe not necessarily the hype, but I believe that this is an inevitability, that we will be trading in digital currencies. It may be a currency that the United States government puts out, but the, the, the blockchain technology behind it is the way it will become. Mm. It is an inevitable future. Mm. The side residual was like, wow, it'd be great if I could get that, as they say in there, in the uh, culture of cryptocurrency, a Lambo when this thing goes to the moon. I'm going to hodl until it, until it becomes an incredible source of wealth. Just for the record, John McAfee, just a month ago, and this is after Bitcoin kind of took a crap, tweeted again, and he says this. When I predicted Bitcoin at $500,000 by the end of 2020, it used a model that predicted $5,000 Bitcoin at the end of 2017. Bitcoin mm -hmm. has accelerated much faster than my model assu assumptions. I now predict Bitcoin at $1 million by the end of 2020. Of course I will still eat my dick if wrong. The party's not telling you he has a wooden dick. <laughs> it's going to be gnawing <laughs> Uh, so I just gave a very rudimentary download for people who not, don't know anything about this. But there is one fact about this mysterious Natoshi Nakamoto, mm. who no one knows who it is. Uh, there are four tech companies, and some believe that his name is an amalgamation of a shortening of these tech companies. You've got Samsung, you've got Toshiba, you've got, you've got Nakamichi, and you've mm. got Motorola. If you take the first few letters of each one of those, Sa as Samsung, Toshi and Toshiba, Nakamichi, Naka, and Moto, Motorola, you got Satoshi Nakamoto. Mm -hmm. So there are conspiracy theories around this digital sure. currency that it was created by maybe all of these companies or it was created by the deep state or the CIA or whatever for God knows what reasons. But um, I was really hoping that my thousand bucks would turn into two million. By the Maybe time of will. this podcast. Who knows? Oh, by so, this podcast. Yeah. yeah, by the podcast. What are your yes. thoughts? Uh, I have many. I've been aware of Bitcoin since the inception, I'm pretty sure. McAfee, right? McAfee? McAfee, sorry. McAfee, yeah. So uh, there's a fantastic article uh, five, six years ago in Wired magazine about him. Down, he was living in... Um, uh, South America somewhere, right? Yeah, uh, uh, Panama, America? Panama okay. area. And uh, it's a fascinating story. I'm not going to get into it. I don't remember all of it. But the gist of it is this. The dude is living on, operating and living on a totally different plane of existence than everyone else. By the way, there is a documentary that I have not seen, and it is about him, and it's mm. viewable, and it shows what a crazy person he yeah. is. So I just want the viewers to know the Look Up John McAfee documentary. I haven't seen it, but I think it must allude to what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's some weird stuff. So I also find it interesting, this, this what I'm about to say, happened during your sharing... Through from, like, October no, through... No, today, to oh, today. Today, just today, okay. right now, sure. re, you know, sharing with this topic. Sure. And that is, we were just talking about sigils and spells, and, and I know that for a lot of people, the idea of a spell is completely lost. You know, how do you take something like a word, a word, and then boom, you're going to make it into some kind of magical thing that Harry Potter brings you a broom that you can fly on or something, or right. brings you a new car, or brings you a new job, or whatever. There are also an entire group of people out there who go, in regard to cryptocurrency, um, how do you take something that's a digital idea and make it into real worth? Well, here's what I have to say. These are the same thing. 
<laughs> this is some nonlinear happening here. How it attains value is very important. I'm going to keep bringing you yes. back to that. Go ahead. So this McAfee cat, he comes from a whole world of these sort of techie originators of the, you know, when the internet hit the boom and all this mm. stuff happened. There's a lot, the, the same idea behind a lot of that. Like, for example, Steve Jobs. You watch these movies or read the read the biography. You find out that those, those computers didn't really work that well in the beginning, and they were. And he was like, "It's all about the design. Yeah. Just keep making it look beautiful, and it'll work." Right. And it did eventually. That's magic, by the way. That's the same train of thought that a magical person might be thinking in terms of whatever it is they're doing. The same thing with this cryptocurrency. This cryptocurrency has become very valuable because of the people who are loving it. That's a big part of it. The energy behind that gets people involved. You go back and look at the stock market before the big crash in the 30s, right? 20s, 30s. Right. There was this movement, this excitement, and everybody got involved. The reason the Wall Street Journal was created, I, it came on the front cover of one of them when I signed up for it. It turns out back in the, the inception of the, the stock market, people would just go around and lie. They would just go, you know, because there was no mass communication. So they'd just say, so-and-so is this many of this business and they're and they're going to do this and they know because they're going to make a deal with this person and they would just lie. And so people would spend their money on it and lose everything. So the Wall Street Journal was created in order to keep an eye on the on the um, on the stock market and be and present the facts of the mm -hmm. stock market, which I find very interesting because I did spend a couple of years researching this Wall Street Journal. My point in this, though, is that what what fascinates me about the whole thing of Bitcoin it's a it's a a teaching or a school in in value. It, if you watch it, if you go back, it's based on a thing called blockchain, which is something that's you cannot lie about. So you can't hide how much whatever you're doing. Yeah, it's it's not manipulatable. Right. So it's it's basically the truth. Right. Okay. <laughs> and to me. That is not only the most interesting thing, but I think that that is where you're going to see major use of this in the future. Uh, real estate, I think, will be one of the big ones. I've listened to stuff and read stuff about this. Any, any intellectual property also. I can yes. see, once again... The, Kodak, I think, is doing something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, Kodak is getting involved. And there's no doubt that currencies built on this blockchain or I should say the ascension of the value of those is based on some kind of ether. It's based on enthusiasm, sure. soon to be scarcity in the case of Bitcoin, because there will sure. only be 22 million. It's going to take a couple decades for it to be all of them to, to be mined. One of the textures of, of meaning that I'm deriving from what you're observing is that it doesn't have inherent value other than what people assign it. Which is exactly, yes, which is exactly what the American dollar is. It used to be a greenback, and it was backed by gold. Sure. Uh, it's not backed by gold anymore. You look on the dollar bill, it's in God we trust, and it's backed by the word of our treasury. Right. That's it. Now, we have faith in our government, and that's why it's worth something. It's the same with anything that has value. This is where capitalism has screwed a lot of things up. It took away value from individual things and created a capital that can be traded for anything, which really kind of screws up the individual. Well, I want it I want to be intelligent enough to respond to the comparisons of what is called fiat currency, the government-backed mm -hmm. currencies that seem to fluctuate. I think in Zimbabwe, it's one of these more 
or I should say less developed countries, mm. if they have like trillion dollar bills now because their currency is so effed up. Mm. Uh, it could happen in this country also. So when you mentioned that gold was stripped away as something that was backing each dollar, mm. which I think happened relatively recently in our history, like relatively, in the 70s yeah. or some, yeah. something like that. It's it in our lifetime. Based on my understanding, the core value to Bitcoin, aside from its demand, is its scarcity. So right. much like gold right. is scarce, there will right. only be 20 or 22 million of these Bitcoins that will be mined. Right. Unlike gold, we could have a few shelves of ice diminish from the one of the poles, revealing 500 trillion mm -hmm. tons of more gold. And then that, mm -hmm. you know, these things are possible. But there is definitely only X number of Bitcoin. Right. Now, does that mean it deserves the kind of value that it gets? No. And I think it's so strange to see the almost viral nature of awareness of Bitcoin happen at the same time that I gained it too. Now, I've known about Bitcoin since probably 2010. Didn't buy it because it was like Silk Road exchange currency, mm -hmm. or I think even a video game company was selling stuff. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that it would have attained value like it has. But once I did start to notice it gained value, it's like everybody's synapses started to fire at the same time around the world. And this stuff went from like two or $3,000 a piece to 20000 yeah. over Christmas. It's back down to 6000 And strangely enough, some people have taken uh, screenshots of these trends over the last three years, and it's following the same trend. Shot up right before Christmas, shot all the way down. And then if it did follow these chart lines, it's not crazy that to think that Bitcoin might be worth $500,000 oh, yeah, at the end totally. of this. It's for me, because like I said, I'm no expert for sure. And once again... Um, We're both I, just observing this phenomenon. Yes, and I, and I cannot be... I cannot state enough that I cannot be held responsible <laughs> for the things that I say. Nor I. We are not financial advisors. Uh, exactly. We are not financial advisors. But what a phenomenon in this that I, a phenomenon in all of this that I find interesting. I've always been, I've always been interested in things that are sort of left of center, things that are odd, weird. Synchronicity is a good thing that I, I like because it's weird. That's going to be an episode. You know, synchronicity. synchronicity. I love it. This and, and I love the name cryptocurrency because I've also been like really into my whole life uh, cryptic things. By the way, know? a guy at work thought that this had to do with like Dracula or yeah, something. That's, I was going to say that earlier. <laughs> I was going to say it sounds like it's out of a horror film. Yeah. In regard to um, wealth, making money off of this phenomenon, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. But it is something to pay attention to because if, and a lot of people that I know who are really smart and people who also know finances, they really believe, they really, it's not even a belief, it's a realism to them that this will become the currency. Specifically Bitcoin? No, specifically Just cryptocurrency. Just a, a cryptocurrency. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I absolutely believe that a digital yeah. currency is going to replace what exactly. we have for sure. The only thing is, is that some of my friends are, and not, I'm not speaking of you, I have other friends who um, really, really hate the banking system. Uh, my my take on this is is if they really studied it, they'd realize um, it's really just not something to waste your time hating. Um, yes, I agree. The fees that banks charge are utterly ridiculous, and it'd be lovely to get rid of all that. And I agree, digital currency will do away with all of that because they'll be able to make money in another way. But banks are not going away. 
I really believe that. And they already, if you can, if you're paying attention to this whole thing, this phenomenon, they're already, they've already got our judicial system going after just about everything in the in the cryptocurrency world. Okay, I've got to interject a couple things here. First of all, I completely agree that banks will not go away. A great example of our evidence of why it won't go away is I buy cryptocurrency using an exchange. And in a bank, a, a bank will simply become an exchange where you can yep. buy cryptocurrency and you'll be charged a fee to do that. Mm -hmm. It defeats the entire purpose of this peer-to-peer -peer network and it will the cryptocurrencies will be usurped, not necessarily by regulatory laws, but by the sheer pragmatism of trying to use it, mm. which will demand currency uh, exchanges and mm -hmm. apps and exchanges like that. Right. Uh, once again, I don't know enough about this. There may be a, a right. technological paradigm surrounding this that I'm not aware of, but I agree with you. I hate banks. <laughs> I was witness to the results of the banking system in yeah, 2008, but I also see that an exchange for cryptocurrency will simply be the replacement of the bank, and yeah. it's the same merging that, take, sure. that takes place. I do think that, that, that the consumer will have more control than they used to. That, that, I think that'll be the big upswing, at least on the everyday experience of the, those of us who aren't financial you mean wizards. that the consumer will have more control over what? Over their dollar, so to speak, over their currency, whatever it may be. Right now, you don't have, if you use a bank, which we almost all do, we don't have control over our money as much as if you had it in your house. Tell me if this is a real world example. Somebody owes somebody $10,000. They write them a check on Friday. The person who receives the $10,000 check has to wait till Monday. They deposit that check yep. and it takes three or four days for it to clear. Cryptocurrencies, yep. it's instant. Boom. Yeah. Oh, and uh, yeah. So that's that's what you mean by control. Exactly. Okay. It puts control back into, or will give more control, more freedom, if you will. Okay. For us to use our money in ways that you know can be more quicker. And it, sure. I read an article about this several years ago, about in Europe where an app like this was already existing and where it really benefited people. It benefited the merchants who actually. Um, uh, had the wares that they were taking to to sell to um, a business mm -hmm. rather than um, having to wait for three days or four whatever to get the money they could pay right then and there which right. actually put the money in the pockets of the um, of the the distributors right, right. which made them uh, stronger I guess or made them um, empowered empowered there's the word the only way a cryptocurrency will work is if it has a consistent value. True. It can't fluctuate like Bitcoin. Right. It cannot. I cannot buy Bitcoin when it's at seven thousand dollars a Bitcoin, and then a month and a half it goes to twenty, and now it's back to six, and have that be a stable form of exchange. So I think that's one thing it's really got going against it. Mm. It's such a. It's a fine line because. I haven't planned for my future, to be honest with you, and I kind of was hoping I throw some money into this Bitcoin, and 20 years later, I'll quadruple it, or I actually want to quintuple it. I don't know what it is, but it's like 10x plus. I would love that. Do but, you think you're going? You, do you think you're going to be around for 20 more years? Uh, <laughs> I've never been so optimistic. Because if you do, we should have. Um, uh, it's a friend of my wife's. Uh, she actually used. Because uh, I was going to bring up. Yeah. Y th there's no such thing. It, uh, the one thing I have learned from reading the Wall Street Journal is there's no future. There's no such thing as a future. <laughs> <laughs> there is a future. Well, maybe there's not. We're, if we're in an infinite we're continuum. In oh, 
we're already in yeah, it. Yeah, we're already there. So one thing I've learned, I'll right. get back to the wife's friend in one sec. One thing okay. I've learned with the Wall Street Journal studying it is this. There is no quick way to make money. Yes, there is a quick way to make money quickly. But for the long term, that quick money disappears for some reason. It's it's like a lottery win. As long yeah. as one person wins, a, even if it's a year, people will buy lottery tickets. Yeah. And I have seen yeah. in real time people have purchased these bloody Bitcoins at mm -hmm. $0.07, cents and they are driving Lamborghinis. It's, yeah. it's a thing. Yeah. It's like a, a token of showing your success mm -hmm. of cryptocurrency. So yes, I agree with you that there's no path, quick path to wealth, but there is a 0.0001% of the population that does it, and yes. it feeds into this golden carrot crap yes. that I know that you're so fond of with our capitalist system. Yeah. And um, and I need to break out of that too. I need to break out of that uh, that bullshit <laughs> reward system paradigm. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little crazy, but... This now will bring in uh, my wife's friend. So she, my wife went to school um, in Connecticut in high school and stuff. And she has a friend who um, graduated the same year as she did. So that I think they're, she's four years younger than me. So this woman is 44 years old. Mm -hmm. She retired last year. Retired. She just retired. And how did she retire at 44 years old? Well, she used this technique that 10 years ago, not very many people knew about. But now Tony Robbins is talking about it. He's got a book out, I think, called Money. All right, wait, what is it? What's the technique? It's a technique where you, it's a way to invest. Yeah. We're not financial advisors, but I, go ahead. We're not financial advisors. I must also say this. It's not just investing. It's also what you do with your money mm -hmm. that's, you're not investing, you know, like how you spend it. That has a, plays a big role in it. Just don't buy the Starbucks coffee. Is it that kind of micromanagement? <laughs> no, seriously. Is it that it, micromanagement it, yeah, of like it, saying no to a lot of a lot of stuff BS. that we just don't need. You but know? does that make you rich? It does, does it really? Well, it doesn't make you rich, but if you do this technique that's out there, and I'm not, I'm not going to say I know the technique yeah. exactly. I've been learning about it, but it takes 20 years to see. You have to leave the shit alone, leave the money alone that you're investing for right. at least 20 years. Then you will see this huge change. But is it based on a, I only want to keep interrupting because yeah. I want certainty here, sure. or at least m as much clarity as possible. Because I don't have certainty. <laughs> it does it involve, as far as you know, not only the micromanagement and curtailing of your expenses, but putting it into a place where it grows. Is that the key yes. ultimately to it? Yes. And I believe they're called, I do not know for okay. sure. I believe they're called indices. Indices. Okay. okay. Uh, indexes, okay. plural. Um, but what I was going to say was we should have her on the show because then we could ask her how she did it and we could learn and da, 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 da. I love this idea. Yeah. So we are going to do that. Yeah. Uh, indices. I found out that it is actually octopuses. It is not oh. octopi. Oh, it yeah. is. Octopuses. I did not know. I did not know that. I don't know if I have much else to say about cryptocurrency other than that I I do not want to see John McAfee eat his own dick. No. Primarily because that means that Bitcoin has attained a level of, of value that really benefits me. Mm. Secondarily, um, I have lost my fervor for this trend. Mm. I have $1,000 in Bitcoin and I will keep it there until I'm dead. And thirdly, uh, I think that digital currencies of some sort, specifically one that does not fluctuate in value like Bitcoin and is stable, will replace our, our dollar system. 
And that is all this I have to say be, about yeah. cryptocurrency. Do you have any final thoughts about cryptocurrencies? Uh, yeah, I, I have a few. Oh, uh, unfortunately. Do it. Do it. No, go um, for it. So the first thing I have to say about cryptocurrency is, yeah, it interested me. I was excited for you because you were really into it. Dude, I, I um, had over doubled my money. And if yeah. I were smart, I think, I would have sold it and I would have doubled my money. Now See, I have lost money. You experienced one of the most amazing phenomenons that a lot of people do not get to experience in their life. And yeah. that is this. We always are told that if you invest a certain amount of money in something, you'll know the right moment to pull it out. You know, you'll, if you pull it out the right... I'm going to tell you right now, there is no right moment. The people who end up with all of that money in their pocket either mm -hmm. came from wealth and know how to do this money thing, okay, because they have teachers, <laughs> mm -hmm. or they just lucked the fuck out. I'll give you an example. During the uh, crash, the 2008 crash thingy, mm -hmm. my wife had a 401k, okay, right. but she had moved businesses. So the 401k kind of sat off to the side. Yeah. It missed it. So that means it missed what? It missed the crash. It means oh. it was in a place where it did not get affected. Oh, it wasn't so invested. It wasn't invested at so all. So everybody else who lost all this money, my mm -hmm. wife accidentally missed losing all that money, mm -hmm. which lucked out for her. But if you if you were to say to her, you know, how did you do it? <laughs> yeah, I I have a trick, and this is I I'm dead serious when I say this. When that crash happened. I missed out losing all of my 401k, 401k money because I didn't have one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I'm still, I'm still winning on that. <laughs> I have a feeling that a lot of people are in a similar situation to us, where we don't really have anything for the future. Mm. Most people are in debt, yeah. and I think that this is something that is of well. That's great another concern. thing I think that the blockchain is going to fix. I, I really think that's the blockchain part of all this. Yeah. I read this article. Don't quote me on this, um, but I read this article. It was by these two guys who were economic economists yeah. involved in real estate, and they were saying that uh, this blockchain could be used to prevent um, what has happened throughout the entire planet by the capitalists, and that is um, uh, in our own town here, Los Angeles. It yeah. happened. Chavez Ravine is what it's called. It's where the Dodger Stadium now sits. Basically, the city. Um, made up this law that yeah. you couldn't have chickens or animals or grow food in your front yard. Yeah. Um, and so they rounded up all the people who lived there who were, unfortunately, most of them were Hispanic. They rounded them all up and said, you can't live here anymore uh, because you're violating uh, city code. And then what did the city do? They sold it to the guy at the Brooklyn Dodgers. He came in and did this whole thing. They could do this because they had these records that they could do whatever they want. Alter. With. Yes. With a blockchain, can't happen. Yeah, I think that is a great Brilliant. example of how a blockchain can secure mm -hmm. rights that you have to, I was going to say intellectual property, but physical Anything. property. Mm -hmm. I don't see how it can solve us not going broke, but I don't... I do think, think credit-wise, I think, is where it will play. I think credit has gotten to this weird place. I mean, you know, like, again, following the, the Wall Street Journal, watching the Fed set these... Set these <laughs> numbers interest rates interest well, yeah. yeah well they're just they're just numbers based upon all of this economic gobbledygook that they're throwing out there yeah. but if you read it and you, and you follow it for a while at first it makes no sense because it sounds like a Sorry. bunch of gobbledygook yeah but after a while you start to realize that they are actually trying to do something they're trying to affect the numbers and that's what they do so i'm no brilliant person here but i'm going to go ahead and say this 
Economics is a theory. So our entire system of wealth is based on a theory. And our entire system of moving wealth around is based on a theory. So we have groups of people who are supposed to be at the top of their game looking at this theory and tweaking it so that we all don't just implode monetarily. I don't know. It seems crazy to me. But if you've taken math and you like math and you watch this stuff or read this stuff, you start to see that there is a pattern. They are they are really looking at how things are being sold on one part of the world and how that affects the other part of the world and how that affects the dollars all around the world and how like in China, apparently the government will step into their stock market or a business at any moment, whenever they feel like it's not going in the right way. And they just tweak it right then and there, right out in the open. We do it through um, non-elected groups of individuals that we appoint. <laughs> I get almost anxious because I know so little about this stuff. Yeah. And I don't know much either, dude. I'm not sure, but I will say that I don't know anything about the economy. Mm. Yeah, me too. Uh, by the way, that is our catchphrase. Mm. I'm not sure, but I will say. So I had to sneak it in mm. there. That was just a cheat. Let me at least address some of the things that you said. The notion that there's a Federal Reserve that is, I think they are the ones that are adjusting interest the, rates, yeah, yes or no? Are. Is that true? Is, yes, okay. I believe that is true. And so there's a there's a, an intentional modulation of how our economy works yes. that is, for lack of a better term, determined by the Illuminati. Yes. <laughs> okay. And or sh- gobbledygook. Or gobbledygook, yeah. the language of turkeys. Uh, wait, we're, but we are, st- so I want to acknowledge that I at least understand that much about what you said. When yeah. it comes to cryptocurrency, I feel like my gut, my ignorant intuition mm. feels like it's going to nullify that, all of that. God, I hope so, but I'm not sure on that one myself. So let's end the cryptocurrency discussion. Can I say one more thing? Absolutely. It'll be quick. Absolutely. And then I'll say, and then we'll kit. Did you see that TV show that was a few years ago called Heroes? It was Mm -hmm. on NBC. I know about it. I have not seen it. So in in Heroes, there was a a character, not the same as the character Nakashimo Moto. uh, Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay, it's not the same, but there is a very similar name in a very similar situation because this show Heroes took place in comic books, Mm -hmm. but in also reality, and there was a cat right in the comic books. And so there's a very eerie relation to this cryptocurrency experience and this Satoshi Nakamoto. Satoshi Nakamoto. I hope I get that right. That one. So I'd just like to say, reality... Yeah. Oh, but that is. This is going to be a short point. <laughs> I can sense it. <laughs> the reality that we all share. Yes. Is very strange. Yes. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to elaborate that on on that in future episodes for sure. For oh, sure. Forever. This is how I am. <laughs> well, this is why we're recording it. That's true. Gary is the nonlinear inspirator. Yeah. I am the scheduling dictator. Mm. I'm Chris Carneal. I'm Gary Amorati. And that has been a very convoluted and long, but hopefully interesting and not completely coherent, but hopefully informative (laughs) episode number two of the Thought Bubbles podcast. Please, if you are listening and you've come this far, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That seems like a massive achievement to have been on to to get there. Rate us and leave 
a review and you don't have to be kind i don't yeah. we, if you, you think you that this is bullshit mm. tell us and the next episode will have even more bullshit than rebellion <laughs> <laughs> so anyway thank you for listening and we will see you on episode three we have yet to determine that topic but Yay. watch for it i can't wait <laughs> Ma, pa, are you in again? My best friend, the kid, has a little cold breath.